Hi and welcome to my latest podcast. I'm super excited you're joining me as we go through the Gospel of John and we look at Jesus through the eyes of one of his best friends and we come across some incredible theological gems, some wonderful stories and just this amazing perspective that's really different from the other three Gospel writers. So buckle up and join me, Paul White, as we saunter through the book of john welcome to another lovely saunter in my beautiful garden with the sound of the birds and <laughs> captain squawky was in evidence a few minutes ago i don't know if he's going to put in an appearance but we'll <laughs> listen out okay so we are on chapter three of john's gospel and what we're doing is we're looking at jesus through the eyes of one of his best friends, John. And it's amazing. And John's got this unique insight and he was uniquely placed to really know Jesus and observe him. And this is a book of observations and reflections, really. So, Lord Jesus, we want to meet you today. We want to know you like the Apostle John knew you. And we do believe that's possible Lord, we're asking for that spirit of revelation to come on us today. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, great to see you, Fran. And so here we go. We're on uh, chapter 3, verse 22. It says, After this, Jesus and his disciples went into the Judean countryside and remained there with them and was baptizing. And that's really interesting because Jesus has now stepped into the baptism ministry as he has launched off he's got some his he's got his disciples up together and he's launched off into ministry publicly he's preaching and teaching and doing the stuff and he's baptizing so he's literally coming right onto John's patch and um, adopting the same methods that John has been using very effectively and John has been the main guy he's been drawing huge crowds out into the judean countryside and baptizing them there he's been preaching and teaching repentance he's been saying get ready because god is moving you need to be ready for god to move in your heart and people who responded to john and said yeah i love that message i know i can feel god's doing something in my heart i want to change i want my life to be different show me how to do it And the first step of identification with that message was to get baptised. And John plunged them under the waters of the Jordan River. And literally millions have followed suit and been baptised in the Jordan River since. And I know some of our saunterers have. Um, And it's great. And the point was now Jesus has emerged on the scene and is doing the same. So this is going to be a challenge, isn't it? So John also was baptising at Anon near Salim because water was plentiful there and people were coming and being baptised for John had not yet been put into prison. So we there's a little kind of insert from the editor just to remind us that John will get into, get put into prison in uh, very soon in our story. Um, But John and Jesus are both ministering now. They're both preaching and teaching and drawing crowds and baptising them. Now, a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. 
And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you across the Jordan, to whom you bore witness, look, he is baptizing. And all are going to him. <laughs> it's a little bit of exaggeration there. But he's saying, look, so these these disciples of John, who've been faithful and loyal to him and enjoyed seeing his ministry rise and become public and so on, and gather this following, they're now kind of getting a little bit jittery because they can see this Jesus who John has been kind of welcoming and trumpeting and heralding. They're seeing now this Jesus is gathering great big crowds and people are going to him. This little discussion about, well, little, a discussion arose, if it's worthy of mentioning in the Bible, is probably a big discussion. It sounds like there's some anxiety and some controversy between G John's disciples and this particular Jew over purification. Now, baptism it has to kind of implicit in it the idea of washing and cleansing ourselves. Naaman went into the river and was cleansed of leprosy. The Jews were very, as we said already in, in chapter 2, the Jews were very disciplined in following observance of hand washing and all this kind of thing. They were very diligent in those um, rituals relating to personal cleanliness and being holy and so on. Morning Tracy Ann. And so now there's some controversy about what maybe you can imagine it's something to do. What are you saying then, John, that this baptism is somehow better than the rituals we have from the law of Moses and so on and so on. You can imagine how it went. And into the mix comes the question of Jesus. This new kid on the block, as it were, ministry-wise, John's been saying, the, he's the one, he's the one my ministry is all about, and there's Jesus, and he's baptising, and John's disciples are thinking, gosh, what's going on? You know, we were doing so well, and we had a good little thing going, and now it's all, we wonder what where this is all going to end up. And so they are exaggerating a little bit, but you get the feeling behind it, don't you? Look, he is baptising, and... All are going to him. John answered, A person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given to him from heaven. And I just want to stop there. I know it's a bit stop and starty, but this, this statement of John's is really profound because he's talking about ministry. He says, A person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. And so he's saying, Listen, guys. This ministry of ours, of mine, that you're sharing in, this was given to us. This was given to me from heaven. This is a gift. This is when we when we read later on in the New Testament, we read the letters of the Apostle Paul. He says, I'm called to be an apostle by the grace of God. And then he will talk about how God laid hold of him for a purpose and he says I strive to lay hold of that for which God laid hold of me we don't call ourselves into ministry we don't call ourselves to be a preacher God calls us into ministry whichever ministry particularly that is that we're um, moving in 
God calls us into that ministry and we, well, he calls us to himself. And then sometimes we find that he's channeling us into an area of ministry. Sometimes, like the Apostle Paul, he literally bang, knocks us off a donkey, gives us this life-changing encounter where we know from that moment on we have to respond to the call of God. And, um, yeah, so, Tracy Ann, we pray that God will hear your middle ear, heal your middle ear super quick and it will be all done and dusted and restored double quick time in Jesus' name. So, um, so these ministries that we see popping up around the place. If God has given them to some the, those people, we need to honour that and just make room for it and get off our <laughs> big ego trip. And this is an interesting challenge though, because as we'll see, we'll go on, let me read a bit more and I'll comment on it. So he says, verse 28, you yourselves bear me witness. So you heard me, you yourselves, Bear me witness that I said I'm not the Christ, but have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hear him, like hears him, should we say like the best man or something, or uh, the groomsmen. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. Now, there was a practice among Jewish um, families. I don't know how, how much it's still the case, but where the um, bridegroom would go away and he would come at an undisclosed time to the wedding feast and to begin the celebrations and meanwhile everyone was waiting and we have the parable of the virgins with their oil lamps and stuff and and this idea of the friend of the bridegroom this is somebody who's waiting for the bridegroom to come and when he hears the bridegroom's voice he rejoices and John says this is me this is what I've been doing Listen to me. <laughs> Use your ears, guys. I've I've already told you I'm not the Christ. I am not he. But actually, I am super excited because the bridegroom is here. The bride belongs to the bridegroom, not to the best man or the bridal party. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. And so this is why Jesus is here to claim his bride subtext we don't he doesn't elaborate on that would have been very interesting to have had a little sit down a cup of tea with John and just to see hear his understanding of what he you know what he really did see and what he knew was kind of imminent with Jesus on the scene but he says therefore this joy of mine is now complete what he's saying is I'm done this is this is why I'm here this is the reason I was born to see this happen he must increase, but I must decrease. And I'm going to say it is a challenge for anybody who has enjoyed some success and some visibility in ministry or in their career. Someone else comes on the scene and they begin to accelerate forward and make progress, get promotion, get recognition. And you're thinking, man, I've 
been here all these years, working my lungs out, and nobody's even so much as said thank you. And now this young, do you know what I mean? And when when we feel like we're a bit on the wane, and others are rising up around us and going farther and faster and everything else, then we have, or feel that we have, and a lot of it is perception often, Oh man, it challenges our hearts and it's a challenge to be excited for that person. But let us be the ones who, like John the Baptist, are able to see what God is doing in someone's life. Cheer them on, celebrate it and say, your success is my success. This is about the kingdom of heaven. This is not about me and my reputation. We live in a day where it is, seems to be possible to become a celebrity almost overnight. And some celebrities are literally global celebrities, aren't they? They have people who become global phenomenon for something or other. And there is a kind of desire. I think it's quite a strong desire in each of us to be significant. And to think that our lives count and matter, you know, and mean something. And so let's just watch out for that one and guard our hearts. And when we see God pushing someone forward and blessing someone and giving them fruit and success and everything else, let's cheer them on and let's just pray that God will um, continue to use us and make us effective as long as we live. And when we've finished and done what we you know, when our time is done and we're holding in our bath chair with our slippers on and whatever we do, that we can look back and say, do you know what? God, I wouldn't change it. I've served the purpose of God in my lifetime. And that's all I can, that's all I can hope for. That That is my biggest dream. So for me, that is my biggest dream, that I will serve the purpose of God in my lifetime. And that when... I meet Jesus face to face, he'll be able to say, Paul, you did good. Well done. <laughs> Here we go. Let's party. Or whatever he says. I don't know. <laughs> That's my paraphrase. So verse 31, it says, He who comes from above is above all. He who, who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. He who it comes from heaven is above all. John is making a very clear distinction between him and Jesus, the Messiah. Good morning, admire. I love you too, Tracy Ann. Um, uh, he's, he's making a distinction. He says, he who comes from above is above all. This one who ha is now among us, he is above everything. And we read in Paul's letters where, where God's purpose through the in the end of the ages to bring everything under one head, even Christ. And so John is kind of just flagging that up. John is an incredible prophet. We don't have many of his words written down, but the things he says are deeply profound, hugely significant. And he says, the one he he who comes from the earth, he who's of, of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. And he's talking about himself. He says, I'm one of the I'm, I come from the earth. I'm different. Jesus comes from above. He's above all. I come from the earth. I speak in an earthly way. And yet the one who comes from above brings... Anyway, so verse 32, he bears witness to what he has seen and heard, yet no one receives his testimony. Whoever receives his testimony sets his seal to this, 
that God is true. For he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. So he's saying Jesus comes from above. People are not receiving his testimony, but those who do um, set their seal to this, that God is true. So they're basically endorsing the truth of God and they're saying, yeah, I receive that. I receive that, that Jesus is speaking the truth. So he who comes from heaven is above all. He bears witness to what he has seen and heard, yet no one receives his testimony Whoever receives his testimony sets his seal to this, that God is true. Then he says, For he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Now, this is interesting because... It's like this little bit of theology. It's difficult to work out who's actually speaking here, I think. Whether this is John the Apostle making his kind of theological editorial comments or whether this is John the Baptist. But I love verse 34. It says, For he whom God has sent utters the words of God. So if we go back to the one, I mean, that is obviously has to be true of Jesus completely. But if we go back to this thing that none of us can receive anything unless God has given it. No, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. We understand that the ministries that God gives are empowered by the Holy Spirit. And God gives his spirit without measure. Now I think that is a prophetic statement because at that point John is not seen John has not seen the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on at Pentecost. He's, he doesn't even know that that's going to happen, maybe. But he knows that God is planning to pour his Spirit out in the earth. And if this is the Apostle John, then obviously he's lived through that. And so he's speaking retrospectively. But someone might be able to tell me, send me a message um, or comment whether that is John the Apostle or John the Baptist writing. It doesn't particularly matter because the truth of it is profound. But listen to this. The Father loves the Son, has given all things into his hand. So this is Jesus. Whoever believes in the Son, that is Jesus, has eternal life, is what we were saying yesterday. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. And I think this is one of the things that is the most painful part of ministry, really, is to recognise that those who refuse Jesus really are saying I want to this thing about the wrath of God remains on him he talks just yesterday we were talking about how Jesus had said um sorry um to Nicodemus that the world stands condemned already and oh my that is the thing that the evangelist, the preacher, must surely be motivated by is that desire to win people and see them saved from whatever that means, whatever the implications are of that, of being separated from God for all eternity. And the but by believing in the Son and surrendering our heart to Him, we have eternal life. What an incredible gift. Good morning, Sam. Really good to see you. And I'm wrapping up here, so 
if you've only just joined, please listen again. Share it, like it, whatever. And it'll be on my podcast and on YouTube. Um, So lots of love to you all. Jesus, bless us today. And thank you that you give your spirit to us without measure. So Lord, I pray that each one of us who who are busy with ministry and serving you or living our lives, doing our jobs well, for your glory, you would empower us by your Holy Spirit. And we would experience that renewal day by day of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Have a great day. Bless you, Ruth. Lots of love to you and Chris.